And um, we're, we're, just gonna, we're just gonna dive right in. And I kind of wanted tonight to be more of like a, a conversation uh, with you guys. And um, by all means, do we not, we don't know everything about marriage. Like we've been married, it's been, it'll be five years in December. We met in junior high. And uh, so we've, we know a lot about each other. We, we, we know each other. But uh, I know we have like our, our entire future together too. And I know there's people in this room that could share the longevity of marriage. And so Kelly and I get to just express, well, what does the first five years look like? What, what is the beauty of it? What is the wonder of it? And what does the scripture say? What does the Bible say? And, and we live in a culture that uh, we were talking about this this morning in a coffee shop. Like our culture doesn't really value marriage um, like it used to. Maybe for those that are in this room and you've been married 20, 30 plus years and it's like, it might have been different than it was then as opposed to now. And so we wanted to have that conversation today. Um, so thank you, Kelly. I love you. We're, Absolutely, I love we're you gonna, too. We're going to do this together. So um, why, like, why marriage? Why talk about this? And, and we wanted to talk about the value. And I wanted to, to kind of preference and premise, like marriage is, it's really an art. Like, I was thinking about um, relationships and, and, you know, even being single and, and dating and then you're engaged and now uh, this conversation of marriage and, you know, so often there's, there's this, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all out on finding my career and I'm going to work at it and I'm going to grow in it and I'm going to pursue it and I'm going to fight for it or I want that house. So I'm going to do everything I can to save up and to toil and to get the shovel and get dirty and work harder. I want that education and, you know, there's, there's so many different facets of life where we work so hard at and we see it almost as like a, a, an art. It's a, it's a canvas. It's like this creative, we talked about on Friday night, the creative process that all of us are, are creating beautiful things and the greatest expression of that is love. And yet we have found that oftentimes when you look at marriage, it's not as articulate in, in regards to it being art. But I, I really do think marriage is an art. It's, it's something that's, I have my own canvas of life. Kelly has her own canvas. And then when we, when we get married, now our, our canvases are together. And my writing, I'm, I write with my left hand and it's not the greatest writing. Kelly writes, she has a, a unique, everyone has like their own writing style, right? And so we bring our canvases together and we're doing life together, but it's a work of art. And there's high moments and low moments and exciting moments. But my prayer is that when we get to the end of our days and we look back, that we would see a beautiful, realistic piece of art. That we fought for it. That we worked hard at it. That we, we noticed that it was something that was so beautiful and is so beautiful and it's, it's just this expression of our soul, expression of our heart. And so I wanted to read this passage in Song of Solomon. I was told when I was in like junior high not to read the, the, the book of Song of Solomon until you get married because it's, it's like pretty explicit. <laughs> it talks about sex and, and about desire and, and all of the beautiful wonder of marriage. And so I want to read you this incredibly poetic piece. It says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm for love is as strong as death, its jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. 
If a man tried to buy love with all of his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. And when I look at that, that's like such a beautiful expression of love. And marriage has so, I mean, marriage has so much to do with like this desire and expression and what is in the deepest part of my soul. And I want to express that to you. And I want to show you my love. I want to show you my adoration. But on the flip side of it, it's like we, we can almost fantasize and romanticize love being the end all be all when it's, it's an emotion, right? Like, or at least the culture says it's an emotion, yet we've had this conversation that love is a choice. Like I'm choosing to love you. I'm choosing to have passion and desire and, and it's a canvas. It's an art piece that you get to articulate and grow and mature in and thrive in. And so when we look at this through the, the, the lens of Song of Solomon, it's, it's interesting. And um, I know that that's kind of what we want to talk about tonight, the, the beauty of marriage, yeah. the art of marriage. And also, um, Sammy and I, he mentioned that we were talking this morning in a coffee shop, and I had told him the way our culture depicts marriage, it is something that marriage is a good idea, but the way that us as Christ followers and people who want to strive to have a marriage after God's own heart or whatever, marriage is not only a good idea, marriage is a God idea. God is the one who established marriage. God is the one who created that from the very beginning. And it even talks about it. If you guys want to turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 25, I'm going to read through it with you. And um, just follow along with me. It says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of man and he had brought her to man and then said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Um, one thing that really stood out to that, in that to me is that um, it kind of talks about Adam needing somebody to be his equal. It wasn't like... He was around first, and he got lonely, and it's like, all right, I'm going to bring Eve. And God took and created Eve out of his rib and said, like, all right, Adam, you're here. Eve, you're here. It was more like, no. He said there was no suitable helper. And if you look at the word helper in Hebrew in that portion, it actually translates to the word ezer. And um, Ezer actually comes from the phrase that we use in the Bible, Ebenezer. And during the time of, um, I'm just going to take you on a little journey. Uh, the story talks about there's a time in Israel where Israel is fighting the Philistines. And they're kind of losing this war with the Philistines. Israel's going at it. And then God talks about, um, well, God just comes into that story and starts basically putting hail, stone hail, down on the Philistines to come in and step into this fight and this battle that they're having to basically um, 
show and deliver God's people because at that time, Israel is God's people. He doesn't want to see them lose a fight with the Philistines. So he comes and delivers it. But the beautiful thing about it is that Ezer in Hebrew means divine help. And Eber in Hebrew means to build. So to build and divine help. So in that time, after they went through this struggle, went through this battle, went through all of this stuff, they actually created what they labeled it as was an Ebenezer. It was a memorial to God because they built to they built this Ebenezer. They called it that, and then the memoriam was something to remind them that without God in that, without him coming alongside them to be that divine help, they would not have been able to get through that storm. They would not have been able to defeat the Philistines on their own because God came and partnered with them and actually like helped them defeat them in the process. But it even, it just relates to me that man was given a wife and it said a helper. It didn't say man is above woman, man is, um, has this like autonomy of like, no, what I say you have to do, that's how it is, sorry, whatever. It's, it was made, it's a helper and it was a divine helper if you look at it, how it comes from the Hebrew. So I think it's beautiful because it wasn't meant to be um, reigning over an authority. It was side by side. We're going through life. And without God, um, this marriage, this establishment um, would be hard. And we know that God is in the center of it no matter what. And then also in Proverbs 18.22, it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So I think that already speaks to the fact that God knew Adam needed a helper. God knew Adam needed somebody because he had authority over all the animals, all this, all the plants, everything, but yet that wasn't enough. He needed somebody side by side to do life with him. That was his equal and his divine help. Yeah, and what's so interesting about this story in the book of Genesis is God begins to build and he has this work of art, right? And it's, it's mankind, and he, he establishes Adam, and then he tells Adam, I want you to go and to name the animals, and I want you to hover over and have dominion over the animals, over the livestock, over the land, and the scripture says God noticed that Adam was, was lonely. He needed a suitable helper, so, so then he created the animals. He created the, the birds, and he said, Adam, Adam, I want you to go and name them. Like, I want you to have... Uh, like, I want you to have, like, a companion, a friend. And then when he did that, he kind of noticed that Adam didn't have someone that was his equal. And so the scripture says that he established or created a suitable helper. And that's where that word helper comes. It's like this stone, this Ebenezer. It's, it's, it's divine from God. So when you find a wife, when you find a husband, God has established that. And especially when you look at it and when you look at marriage, God has established marriage. So, like, walk with me through this. This is very interesting. It says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And then it says in verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman for the, from the rib, and he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So here's the ceremony. The Father, God, brings Eve to the man, right? Like a ceremony. Does, does, don't we see that in a wedding? where, you're, you know, the, the man's, the groom's standing and he's waiting for his bride and the father will come down with his daughter. And so God, 
he presents Eve to Adam. And the scripture says then after, it's kind of interesting because I want to take you through this like almost theologically. It says, he now, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh for, for she was taken out of man, verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And just to like throw it out there, this is what the scripture says. The man leaves his wife and then they unite, they come together and they become one flesh. And that is actually the act of intimacy, so in the Old Testament, in the ancient times, what marked someone of, as being married was intimacy. There was no intimacy before that, though. That was the seal. They, they come together, and then there's sex, and now they're husband and wife. Look at and then it says in the, the next verse, Adam and his, says, wife. So before that, Eve wasn't his wife yet. But they come together, and there's intimacy, and God sees it, and God blesses it, and then it says they were both naked and they felt no shame. And what's interesting about this is before there was any sin on earth, there was no shame. No shame with, with husband and wife. There was no mess up. There was no sin. There was no bickering. There was no bitterness. There was no ups, being like frustrated and yet there was none of that because Eden was an expression of, of how God wanted mankind and God to be established. It was a perfect utopia. And then there was sin. And then in Genesis 3, it says, they noticed that they were naked right after they sinned. They noticed they were naked. There was shame that fell upon them. And so this tells us, right, Kelly, that we are incredibly imperfect. <laughs> like when you're married, when you're dating, even as a single individual, every person in this room is imperfect. You are not perfect. I'm sorry to say, if, if you think you're perfect, you're not. And there is no person that you will be with that will ever be perfect. So we see in the scriptures that God brings the marriage together. God brings the beauty of and the wonder and the canvas and the art together. But there's, there's imperfection that's taking place. And then it says that, uh, so Kelly talks about the ultimate authority. And we won't be perfect, but we can progress. I think that's so important to understand when you're married, when you, you enter into marriage. I remember the first week Kelly and I got married, like there was little, the little things. I had a pastor tell me when we were doing premarital, it's going to be the little foxes. And in the Song of Solomon, it talks about the, the foxes that spoil the vineyard, that there's a vineyard, there's something beautiful there, there's marriage, and it's exciting, and it's compelling, and it should be amazing, right? But then there's like a little fox that'll go in the vineyard and starts eating away at the vineyard, just a little one. It's just something small. But then if you don't take care of that little fox, another right fox will come. And then another fox will come. And it's the small things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. And so we have to realize, all right, you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. And I remember the first week of marriage, we were like arguing about the smallest things. It's like, why are we arguing about this? It's so silly. Like, like what side the forks go on? When you like reach for it, is it the right or the left? Yeah, like I, I just remember like laundry, just the simple, the small things, the little things. And you have to realize that we're imperfect. We're just not perfect human beings. Kelly is not going to satisfy 
the perfection that I'm looking for. I'm not going to satisfy the perfection that she's looking for. And that's where we come to God being above us. Yeah. And, and, and in front of us and beyond us and yeah. in, the minor, in, in the middle of us, right? Like and we, we have to realize that there's a triangle to this. Yes, there is a triangle. Um, if you think about just marriage in general, like Sammy was saying, if it's just husband and wife, um, it gets a little hard and it gets a little rocky. And your foundation is always to remember like having God in the center and think of it like an equation. I think there should be a triangle up here, but it literally is like God's up here, husband's right here, and wife is right here. And always remembering that. Have you guys seen that be, before, by uh, the way? Yes, no. <laughs> that it's, should be the dynamic, right? If you want to keep uh, your marriage healthy and your marriage thriving, because like Sammy said, we are all so imperfect, and we would be foolish to think when we enter into a marriage it's going to be made perfect. And it's perfect right when you get married because there's things that come up, the little foxes, um, and they just get in the way sometimes. In Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. And that right there was a beautiful depiction to me because naturally, I sometimes do have bitterness. I get rage when we're angry, but <laughs> a little bit too much, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> and, um, but just remembering that equation of, shoot, okay, Sammy's right here in the equation, Kelly's right here, and if I forget that that top thing's right there to bring us back together when we're having our moments of disagreement, when I realize I'm not as perfect as I think I am or he's not, vice versa, if God's not at the center and you take that out of the equation, it's just a straight line and what's, what's that key piece bringing us back together to that top portion? It's not there if you take God out you're going to have so much more difficulty, so much more struggle because it just doesn't work the way it should because, like we said, marriage is a good thing, but marriage is a God thing. God created and established the marriage, marriage and the concept from the very beginning. He's the ultimate creator in our life. He created all that we have. So it's beautiful to realize that we can always point back to God. And Sammy has something else to say about the triangle the insert here portion, right? I, I'm going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I think shoot. We, yes. I have more. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> also, so Sammy talked about um, imperfect people, and I've been talking about imperfect people and keeping God in the center. But you guys know every marriage ceremony you go to, even if you're not a Christian, even if um, you don't believe in God, you hear the cliche verse that's from the Bible, and it's so beautiful, and it's not cliche, but people... Love it because it's like a poem. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And the amazing thing of that is we know that God is the ultimate depiction of love. So every time... In 1 Corinthians 13 through 4 through 7, if you put God's name in that, it measures up every time. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud, and so forth. But if I try to put Kelly's name in there, 
oh no, I'm gonna fail every time if I try to put Sammy's name. Like Sammy's, Sammy is patient, Kelly is patient. Sometimes like I already missed the mark on the first one, I lose my patience, he loses his patience. But the amazing part is, God is the perfect depiction of what love is in a marriage that no matter what, he fulfills every portion of that. Even though, like, we, we, we are imperfect, it's beautiful to know that the God that we serve is the perfect example of what love should be and what love could be through our imperfections. Yeah, and, that's good. And, and that's what... When we, when we talked about this, when you look at that triangle, could you put that triangle back up? Um, th- there's this verse, and it's like, it, it is. It's everywhere, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually incredibly poetic. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of art that Paul wrote in regards to marriage. But we have to understand when it's talking about love, Jesus is the ultimate form of love. Like, if you believe in God and if you understand the story of God, you realize that that God is, in fact, love, that Jesus is, in fact, love. So Jesus will always, because he's perfect, he is the ultimate form of love. He understands love. He created love. He created us. So God will always fulfill all of those things. God is patient. God is kind. But when we put our name in it, we, f- we fall every time. And so if you look at that, the husband and the wife, like Kelly said, it's a straight line, right? And so often, even if you come to church, even if you're a believer, even if you would say, hey, I want to do this the right way. I want God to be the middle. You always constantly have to go back to, no, what does God say about this in our marriage? Because Kelly, even, even in the, the five years we've been married, we've already gone through some pretty heavy stuff. There's been moments in, in our marriage and, and even in Kelly's life and in my life where, where all hell will break loose. And it's like, who do you go to? And the natural inclination, which is okay, it's just a part of humanity, is we go to other people and there's nothing wrong with that. But they will not fulfill what we're trying to find because they're not perfect. So when we have God in the center, when we have God in the middle, it, it, it creates health. Like, what does God say? How does God react with this? How does God move in this? And I, I, I wanted to, uh, to change it up. I think there's another slide where it says, insert a God. Um, did you? Is there? An, so if you could, yeah, here we go. So there's husband and there's wife. And, and even if you're in the church, and by the way, can, can I just like d- disclosure, uh, public service announcement. I understand this series is incredibly focused on those who believe God love God. Our, our heart is for the one. We are for the person that does not believe God, does not understand God, but we cannot shy away from what the scripture says. We can't run away from what the Bible says about relationships, about marriage, about the progression. We talked about the progression of relationships, and I just want to say there is always grace in this. If you're in a marriage right now and God isn't the center, that's okay. Put him in the center. You get to start new every single day, every single moment. If there's a hiccup, if there's a mess up, that's okay. Let's realign. Let's recalibrate. Let's make sure that we're together. We're on the same playing field. I am not above Kelly. Kelly is not above me. We're doing this together. The scripture literally says we can break it down in Genesis that he gave them, it says in Genesis 1, authority over everything. But so, I, I don't know why in the church we get that mixed up as if I am the 
complete authority over Kelly or vice versa. That's not, it's, it's like, no, we're doing this together. God has not given us, the only thing we have authority over is, is the land. It's the animals. Like we have dominion. We, we will never have dominion over one another. So when you go into marriage and you think that, there's going to be problems. There's going to be a lot of issues. And so I put insert a God because so often, and, and we always have to recalibrate. We always have to go, wait, wait, is God in the center of this? And, and I put insert here, but I wanted to put insert God or gods, but the type of font that we're using, it's only capital. <laughs> but I wanted to put insert a God, lowercase g, because so often we can replace like God with something else. God could be your like, money. God, uh, your God could be your career. Your God could be your, your, uh, your pride. And I'll go as far to say, and I know we don't have kids yet, but you can make your children a God in your marriage. And if, if God is not the center of, of everything, then it's out of order. It becomes unhealthy to where we're so focused. I mean, I remember learning this in Bible school. A professor who had been a... Um, a pastor for over 30 years, he said he has noticed, and studies show, when you get married, the percentage of divorce is really high, like the first couple of years. First two, three, four years, it's really, really, really high because there's a lot of disagreements, there's a lot of issues going on, you gotta work through stuff. And then after like year three or four or five, it's like, oh, you're good. And then you understand each other and you start working together. And what happens is you, then there's kids, and then in that entire season of having kids, if God is not the center and the kid is the center, the child is the center, then where's God in the picture? So everything revolves around the child or everything revolves around whatever that is, whatever that God is. And I remember my professor said in the study, you can look it up, the studies show after the kids move out, then it's just you two again like it was in the very beginning of year two, three, four, five. After 30 years go by and all of the kids are gone, do you even know each other anymore? And so one thing that Kelly and I always say, and I think as an, encourage, as an encouragement for marriage is that it's always us. We're always growing together. We're always in communication together. We're always thriving together. We're always working together, but we cannot forget that God is our God, not anything else. Not even church, like not even ministry, like we cannot put anything in the way of what is central and centric to our hearts and to our lives. It has to be Jesus. It has to be who he is. It has to be the life that he's called us to live. And so, you know, you can put that, you can even say, insert here, desire. Like, I know this might step on people's toes, but so often we think of like relationships as it just being like so focused on like desire or like lust or sex. And it's like, that is like the main point. It's like the most focused point. And it's like, if we, if we have that as the central centric part of our lives, then it's gonna fail every time. So we have to always remember, recalibrate, is God in the center of our marriage? And uh, it just brings health. It brings health. Um, I can't say this next thing I read from a, I got it myself and I made it up. It's actually from a book and it's from an author. His name is actually Jack Schaefer and it's a secular book and it talks about um, 
really just friendship and like what the ideal friendship requires. And it is a combination of four things. One is proximity. In order to establish like a real solid friendship, you need to be close and around those people because how are you going to meet them, right? You need to be in proximity with that person. Also, it is frequency. So you need to be hanging out with them frequently, spend time with them, develop your relationship. And the third is duration. So how long is that relationship. The longer a relationship is, the more frequent you spend time, the more you're around each other, you kind of build equity into your relationship as it grows and it progresses. And then the fourth is intensity. Um, with every relationship, if you keep it on a shallow playing field, it's going to stay shallow. You're not going to grow. You're not going to um, really know the depth of your friend's heart and really know them or vice versa. Um, and what I thought was so amazing that this guy was giving me the perfect depiction of a friendship, but he's also giving me the perfect depiction of a relationship between husband and wife, but also remembering that between that relationship of husband and wife, that is a perfect example of how God comes in every single time. And it's the same thing as filling in God's name with the love is patient, love is kind in my mind. God is always there in proximity. He's always going to be close by in every relationship that you have if it is considered to be a healthy, thriving relationship. God is going to be in proximity between me and Sammy and making sure our health is straight and our health is right. Even just you as a person. And as a person, yeah. Just as humanity, like God yeah. is with us in proximity. Yeah. God is always close to us. God is always near to us. Whenever there's moments where we need God, we don't have to go searching for him. He's there. He's right beside us. And then the other part of the variable is putting God in frequency. If you're going to spend time and be around God, you better believe God is going to be in your life and it's going to be evident. However frequent you're searching and you're spending time in the word, you're talking about it. You're, hey, Sam, uh, let's sit down in the morning and like, I know we have a busy week, but let's recalibrate our hearts and get in the word. Like that's going to be evident and that's going to show and shine through in our marriage and our friendships. And then duration, the longer the, the relationship with God, the more you understand, the more you walk life with him, you kind of learn how things tick and talk and you're able to hear, all right, God, I get your voice because I've gone through this before and I know what you did last time in my life because we've been walking this out for a while and I saw you come through in this situation. So I'm going through another hard situation, but I know what you did then. So I know what you can do now. And I have so much belief and I know that you have favor over my life because we've walked it out before so we can walk it out now. And that's a depiction even for marriage. And then also the intensity. God's going to pour into you, but you have to be willing to go deep with him. And you have to be willing to go through those valleys, just like any relationship, any marriage. But God, God doesn't want you to just stay where you're at. God loves you too much to let you just coast and be there and be good with the seasons and be good with the shallow waters. He wants you to dig deeper. He wants you to understand the depths of his love because once we understand the depths of his love, we ourselves are able to love so much deeper because we get what love is, because he's the ultimate depiction of it from the very beginning. So in order to like understand the perfect relationship and the variables of it, this is a good 
guesstimation and a good like analysis, but just like the love is patient, love is kind, God fulfills that every time. And he, in proximity, in frequency, in duration, and in intensity, he's going to show up every time. And if that's established in the relationships, how much more beautiful and how much more evident is that going to be, you know? Yeah, and, you know, when Kelly brought this up to me, it, it was like, we got to talk about that. That's so good. You know, and it's, it, this, this goes into every facet of relationship. And, um, you know, I brought up, like, just if you're in this room and you're single, and it's, you know, you're, you're, you're working through what this looks like, and you want to get married, or you want to start dating, you want to find that person, then I would say focus here on these four things with you and God, right? Like these four, very, the proximity. Know that he's close, but like, are you close to him? Because he's there, but are you there with him? Know that the more frequently you're together, you're growing, you're understanding, you're maturing. And then the duration, and when time, time has its, its course, right? Like the longer we're together, the longer you're in relationship with Jesus, the longer you're in relationship with someone else, the more you're, under, you're gonna understand that there, there's friction, right? There's disagreement. There's, um, I need to understand you a little bit better. And then that's when intensity comes, right? I, I always... Um, I'll never forget, I had someone tell me, it's actually okay to, to fight. Did you know that? Like, it's actually healthy to fight. Like, there are times, um, this is just full disclosure, sometimes Kelly and I are a little bit worried when we meet someone and it's like, we've never been in a fight, ever. Oh, yeah. And, and Kelly and I are like, oh, that's interesting. Ne like, never? You've never fought about anything? Sometimes it gets us to the point to where it's like, Maybe you should have your first fight, and then let's talk. Let's see how you guys handle that. Because sometimes right. that first fight's overwhelming, and there is a healthy way to fight. And that's, and that's what we wanted to kind of talk about. Um, we're, we're coming to a close, so worship team, if you guys want to come up. But I wanted to hit on this because um, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of, like, this sermon series. And something that I have noticed when I'm looking at this series, when I've been praying through it and, and processing and having a lot of conversation with Kelly about it, it's, it goes back to like looking at the beginning because we're kind of at the end right now, right? Like there's marriage and that's like the full expression of relationship in regards to one another. But when you look at like the very beginning stage, the first step, it's singleness, right? It's like and there's, there has to be a unique ability to understand who you are and to be okay with who you are and to be secure in who you are. And I think that, um, I, I've heard a pastor say, and it's, I, I would agree 100%. He, he said a, a lot of times we think like there's so many issues with divorce, but really maybe the issue with divorce is it's a single problem. It's a singleness problem. Like 50% of marriages end in divorce. Isn't that crazy? Like 50%. And then if you look at the Christian perspective, like if you, if you put a bunch of Christians together and you look at the percentage of that, it's a little bit below 50%. Like that's still pretty high. So it's like the understanding, the expression is maybe it's a single issue. Because Kelly and I can both say when you look at that triangle, it's not like our names are overlapped, like on top of one another, or I'm on top of her name, or she's on top of mine. It's not like we're interconnected or intertwined. No, my name is my own name. Like I'm Sammy. Kelly is Kelly. I have my own unique personality. 
I have my own dreams and desires and aspirations and I'll, I'll come to Kelly and it's usually like super late at night and I want to talk about like all of my dreams. And I'm sleeping. And she's like falling asleep. But it's like, and Kelly has her own too. Kelly has her dreams. And we have to understand that even when you're married, it's okay to understand singleness. Does that make sense? It kind of sounds like counterintuitive, but it's like I have to be secure in who I am as a single because I'm still a single. Kelly's still a single, but when we're married, we complement each other. We grow, we're growing with each other. We're thriving with each other, but I'm still my own person, and Kelly's still her own person. And so understanding, though, all right, we're going to, like, journey life, but we're going to make sure God's in the center. We're just going to put him in the center because he's, he's divinely giving each other us. And he's blessed us with each other. And so now we get to grow and we get to be excited. And when low moments come in life, because they do, it's like, where will we go? And it's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to point it back to God. We're going to point it back to Jesus. So I just want to encourage you, going back to what we talked about, love is, is it's an art. Love is an expression of the innermost part of your soul. When you look at Jesus and he's painting on a canvas, he will paint the canvas with the color red. Because Jesus is love. Jesus is passion. Jesus is desire. Jesus is devoted to us. Jesus is always for us and never against us. He wants the very best for us. And our life is a canvas and he is the great master like he's the great work workman right like he's he's painting and he's drawing and he's articulating and he's bringing people together in your life he's speaking at the depths of your soul he's working with you individually and with you as a couple but to know god is the great artist and he's given us the ability to create and to create a beautiful marriage and to thrive in marriage and, and to grow in marriage so like I love doing this so much. I love talking about this. And again, I know there's someone that's been married for like 40 years, 30 years, and you, you, can, you have some stuff to say. <laughs> and I know like I really want to, and we're going to, because I know like we're going to do this again in the future. And I want to hear the voices of those that have gone before us that have gone through some hard stuff and that can talk to us about the beauty and the wonder of marriage. So we get to give the, the first five years of it. This is what we've learned. This is what we're learning. This is what we're growing in. And if we can encourage you with anything, just know that God is so incredibly in love with you. And he desires that you would grow and mature and flourish in every relationship that you have. So we love you guys so much. Kelly, thank you for doing this with me. You're so awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, let's, uh, let's pray together and, and we'll finish with worship. Jesus, we love you so much, God. And Lord, we're thankful for, uh, for marriage. 